Um, today we're going to be um, taking on um, a second part of our three-part series looking at roots. Um, and Esther helpfully started this last week, um, and Derek is going to conclude this next week. And it's looking at Jesus and how we are grounded individually and together as church family. What are our roots? And today we're going to be focusing on us on our church family, on our internal relationships between each other. It's been really helpful over the last couple of weeks to hear the stuff that we're celebrating about, but also to hear the stuff that is really hard going on in our lives over these last 18 months. And the verses that we're going to look at, we're going to look at a few different passages, but they really are setting the bar really high. So I'll warn you, this is not comfortable because the bar is really high. And how are we going to do this? How are we going to be people who live out consistently relationships with other Christians, whether in this church family or even wider? Especially when our culture says, when it doesn't work, let's move on. When it's uncomfortable, we're not satisfied. Or when it's even destructive, let's just move on. But Jesus' model is always love. And that's what we're going to look at today. What is Jesus' model of love? So um, our first little glimpse is from 1 John 4.16, which describes God. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete amongst us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Boom. This is pretty straight talking. Revealing the love and the nature and the character of God is love. And that we're welcomed into that relationship uh, with a God of love. And the depth of that expressed is how this love can transform us internally, but in our relationships here and also in the world. Because the church is God's amazing idea. It's pretty crazy. It's very messy, but it's his idea to bring everyone to himself. We love because he first loved us. Love is at the heart of relationships as Christians. So when you think of relationships, let's go back a step. Our primary identity on this planet is about in relationship. As Christians, our primary relationship is with God. Esther touched on this last week. And even in the Godhead, there is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is relationship, perfect family, perfect community, perfect unity. In Romans eight sixteen, it says, The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So we're brought, as we become Christians, into a family into God's family, and he treats us as his own children. So our primary identity is in relationship as part of his family. Take a look around. This is your family. 
odd looking lot, aren't we? <laughs> well, obviously, apart from me, obviously, but that's. <laughs> but this is your family. But wider than this, wider than this, across this city, across this country, across this globe. Archbishop Desmond Tutu once expanded a South African proverb. He said this, A person is a person through persons. None of us comes into the world fully formed. We would not know how to think or walk or speak or behave as human beings unless we learned it from other human beings. We need other human beings to, in order to be human. I am because other people are. A person is entitled to a stable community life, and the first of these communities is family. We need this family. We need this community called church. And sometimes that is really easy to live, to live out. And sometimes it's really painful and really difficult. So what does relationship building look like? In the New Testament, there's a Greek word called Get what I didn't study. (laughs) Languages. It actually means, translated, means fellowship. In the New Testament, particularly in the book of Acts, you see it has no um, exact English equivalent. Um, That word that I tried to say implies it's more than socialising. It's not what we necessarily do here about having a cup of tea or a little chit-chat. It's about holding our lives in common. The first century Christians demonstrated that being that that sorry, the first century Christians demonstrated that meaning of holding our lives in common was through spiritual, social, and material generosity to each other. It was far more than just kind of meeting on a Sunday or meeting in any kind of gathering. It was about sharing their whole lives. And I think this is something that we are all processing over these last 18 months. Because we haven't been able to do this kind of stuff. Whether in a big gathering or a small gathering or whatever, we've just not been able to do it. So I would say that we're all in the kind of place of processing. What does it mean to look, to build community, to build family in fellowship? It's important for us to live out. Because as we do, we grow in maturity, in spiritual maturity. And we see God's kingdom advance. But the key factor is the glue is love. The DNA is love. What does that look like? Because you might think, well, yeah, it's all very well. I'm with these wonderful people around here. Some I get on with amazingly. Some I don't know. Some are all in between. But what is that glue? The glue is love. And one of the familiar passages that you may have heard, read at weddings particularly, from 1 Corinthians 13, describes what God's love is like with some practical detail for us. So from the message translation of the Bible, think about others in this church family or other Christians you know. And as I read this, think about your relationship with them. And how you'd look at them. And how you're connected. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. 
isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep scores of sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Simply, if we love each other like this, then we demonstrate the heart of God. And that is life-changing. And that overflow to the world is transformational for our world. The overflow to the world of how we love like that here is transformational to our world. It's nitty-gritty, practical, everyday, tangible kind of love. And I've said this before, and some of this I might be repeating myself. But it's so important that we do this with others on this journey. We need to do this with others. It's a bit like that illustration of a coal in a fireplace. When they're all together, they go red hot. But as soon as you take out a coal with a pair of tongs and separate all the coals, and they're not touching the others, within minutes they all go cold. Essentially what I'm saying is to build family, to build community, where we're accountable to grow in faith, to be challenged, to get disturbed, has to be encapsulated by love. That kind of love I've just read. And as we've wrestled with our roots, we need to come to that kind of love with our relationships, with each other. And I've reflected that over many years of a journey of faith that I've been on. There are a lot of scars on this one. There are a lot of scars that I've experienced in church. I've been part of Epi for 29 years. Yeah, I know, I only look 29, so thank you. <laughs> Stop laughing. Stop laughing. Um, but actually, there are a lot of scars, but there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of valleys, there's a lot of mountaintops. There's an awful lot of mundane of how we do life together. But Jesus speaks a kind of love that will transform us. Esther touched on this last week from Matthew 22. That greatest commandment that Jesus said is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the prophets and the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We're complicated. We're complicated people. We're emotional, spiritual, intellectual, heart, soul, mind. And that's all housed in a physical body. So God designed that. God is an awesome designer, so he entwines all this so that we respond in love to him, but also in love to our neighbours. That's the roots of our identity. The bar is really high, though. The bar is so high. Love your neighbour as yourself. So he's saying, love others with the kind of love that you love yourself. That's the bit that trips me up. Oh. It's a really high bar to love yourself. 
caring for ourselves is complicated. But it turns out that to follow that verse, love your neighbours yourself, if we desperately want to love our neighbours, then we need to love ourselves. Our neighbours need more love now than ever. So how do we love ourselves? What society would call it is self-care, self-compassion. What Jesus calls it is love yourself. And I'll be honest, it's not my strength. I kind of felt really awkward when he gave me this passage because I'm like, this is, I'm not speaking out of strength here. Because when life is tricky, then my internal world is not very kind to myself. Those who know me better than I would say that. I'm not very kind to myself when I let other people down. When I let myself down. So I'm saying this out of a, a weakness because I know if I want to love you guys better, then I need to journey on this and let God do that inside me more. And that's consistent. And I would say actually from people that I've talked to over the last 18 months, this has been a growing thing for all of us because suddenly we've not got other people around to prop us up and we're having to learn to love ourselves a little bit better. For many of us, the coronavirus pandemic has felt like rocket fuel to anxiety and other mental health challenges. Suddenly, in a matter of days, back in March 2020, all our coping mechanisms were taken away. No more going to the gym. That wasn't me. <laughs> I've, only, I've only ever been to the gym once, so that was to have the towel to Hannah. But there we go. No more trips to the local cafes, no more going to football matches, no more seeing our wider family or friends. No more for months and even into years. So to get through this long season, we've had to remind ourselves that we need to love ourselves. To exercise self-compassion so that we can love others as ourselves. Patrick Regan um, has spoken here um, quite a few times he runs the charity Kintsugi Hope I'll give a plug for their conference in Bristol in a few weeks time it's it's going to be a great day but he once said this self-compassion is not the same as self-indulgence which focuses on giving yourself endless pleasure when we say be kind to yourself we often mean have that extra glass of wine if you're having a bad day or don't worry if you've eaten a whole packet of biscuits you deserved it or you've had lots of posh crisps. <laughs> Self-compassion is talking to yourself the way you would talk to your best friend. If your friend is struggling with anxiety, you wouldn't say, all you need to do is trust God a bit more. What's wrong with you? You wouldn't say that because that gives an extra dose of guilt as well as more anxiety. I'm hoping instead you would treat them with kindness and generosity and gentleness and understanding. As we pursue loving others in church like we love ourselves, then we need to find ways to change our thought patterns. Please don't get me wrong. Don't think that's easy. Don't think that I'm not saying that there's not a place for medical support. I agree with that. I'm not trying to oversimplify this. I'm just saying we need to find ways to do that. There are studies that, that show that 
it's kind of a corny phrase, the attitude of gratitude can change a lot in our lives. Choosing to focus on thankfulness and hope and joy can help change some of our patterns in our heads. Perhaps try starting the day or ending the day with a few words in a journal as part of a prayer, expressing what was good about today. Perhaps, if you're in a habit, try abstaining from complaining. Perhaps go out for a walk. See the beauty of nature. Reflect on that. If you're wired visually, take a photograph. Remind yourself. Develop within your head and your heart that culture of thankfulness. Because the overflow will be always to others. The overflow will be to others. In Ephesians 4 verse 2, Paul writes this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. How can we do this? How can we take this journey forward to be people who relate personally with love? That's what church is called to be. That's what we're called to be because the overflow will be to the world. Everywhere through the Bible, it's, we can see that actually that God's heart of love is from the beginning of, to the end of the Bible. So what does that look like as it overflows into our world? Loving one another wasn't just another good idea. It's the legacy that Jesus leaves. In John 13, Jesus says these words. Again, another high bar to reach. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I don't know about you, I've read those verses many, many times. But over the last few years, I've been struck by the bits I miss. Because I read them so quick, love one another, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the world will know, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I have loved you, yikes. As I have loved you, that's the bar. Love one another as I have loved you, so the world will see. So that 1 Corinthians 13 benchmark needs to not just be hidden in this Christian bubble, but overflow to a world. Derek's going to talk more of that next week. This is the high bar that we love like Jesus has loved. A few verses early on in John 13, where that verse is, we read this, Jesus shows practical love to his disciples by washing his disciples' feet. He breaks all the social norms. He breaks all the um, kind of rules. And then he has that painful conversation just even a few verses before, saying one of his disciples is going to betray him. That's the context. And then he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's what's in his head, what he's done, what he's thinking, what he's... And then he says that out. He shows love through words and actions. He shows it through washing his disciples' feet. That servant-hearted love. He showed it through compassion. He told stories of um, a good Samaritan. He looked out and saw 5,000 people plus 
with no food. He had compassion, gut-wrenching pain for those who were hungry. And he fed them. He showed self-sacrifice, the ultimate love, when he died on a cross for each one of us. That kind of love. This is how Jesus loved, and he's calling us into that same kind of love. How does that look like for us as Christians here in church family? How does it look like in a wider church context? with denominations and backgrounds of people all over the globe. It's, easy. it's easier to love people like us. It's not easy, but it is easier. But Jesus is calling us to love as he loves. And then there is an overflow to the world. That the world may see how we are and how we do this. And it will draw them into the God's transforming love. So I'm reminding us, we are called to love each other with God's love as we love, each, as we love ourselves and as Jesus loves us. Then there is an overflow. Then there is an overflow. As we process this this morning, I've chucked out a few questions. I want to leave these questions for us to process. Just we're going to have some time to worship together. But I want to encourage us, whether where you're at now, uh, maybe it's with someone sat beside you, or whether you want to just process by yourself, to reflect, to pray with someone, or not. Just some of these questions. What is the overflow that the world will see if we go deeper with living out this kind of love? How can you love yourself better? How can you love more like Jesus with others in this church family? What does that look like? I didn't want to kind of go just do this four-point plan and it'll be all happy. This is something that's personal, but this is something together. So we're going to just take a couple minutes now. If you want to do this by yourself or chat with someone next to you or pray with someone or reflect on those kind of, kind of questions and say, God, what do you want to change break in me? And then we'll have an opportunity to continue to process as we worship God together. Let's take a moment now.